Welcome to this week's edition of Flashback Friday, your opportunity to get some good review by listening to episodes from the past that Jason has handpicked to help you today in the present and propel you into the future. Enjoy. Well, I've always wanted to do real estate. I just didn't want to deal with tenants and all the phone calls, so I just never got into it. And then when the market really went down in 2008, that's when I started listening to a radio and I heard you on the radio. And uh, that's when I decided to do it because I... Your method works with where I don't have to deal with tenants and uh, and, uh, and and you know issues that that come up. Even though I do deal with them, it's not the same. Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques, and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Greetings, listeners from around the world, and thank you so much for joining me. This is episode 1057, episode 1057, and this is your host, Jason Hartman, as we talk about the complete solution for real estate investors. One important part of the equation is asset planning and asset protection, and also estate planning. No one wants to think about that too much usually, but <laughs> that's part of the game. And, you know, over the years, I have had so many questions about asset planning, asset protection, and how we do it, and all of the different promoters out there who are making these insane, frankly, promises sometimes are running these mills where they're just selling you a lot of stuff you don't need sometimes. I met up with an attorney based in Texas who has some good new strategies. Now, we've had many great attorneys on the show over the years, and we've had many speak at our events. I just wanted to bring you a fresh perspective because that's what this is today. And so for the intro portion, I've got Scott joining me. Scott, welcome. How are you? Jason, it is fantastic to be here. I'm so excited to be able to share with you guys today, just really opening up and sharing, here's the really best information that I've been able to come across as an attorney investor for over eight plus years and servicing over 1,500 clients. I've got to aggregate a ton of information from investors all over the country in every different asset class, and I can really share that with everybody, you know, just wherever we want to go uh, with uh, sharing that, I'm happy to be an open book. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Well, I find that, uh, you know, with the thousands of clients we've had over the years, we learn so much from our clients. And it's our job to sort of gather and aggregate all that information that we learn from our clients and then share it back on the podcast and at our live events and our conferences so that people can learn from our clients' experiences well, you know, as well as my own, of course, my trials and tribulations, and there are certainly a fair share of them. You are speaking at our Profits in Paradise event in Hawaii, and we're looking forward to having you there. So uh, thanks for joining us. Now, you've got some fresh perspectives on the asset protection game. So 
Tell us a little bit about your ideas and approach to this, and especially the Series LLC. Now, I, I know some lawyers say they don't like the Series LLC concept, but first, let's talk about what is a Series LLC? Well, a Series LLC is, you can form it up in over 12 different states. It's a parent Series LLC that you file. So it's one company with one EIN number. It's one filing. But what makes the Series LLC special is that it acts like a parent-child structure. So you can create an infinite number of child series of the parent. So you'll create a parent company, and it can create its first child that will be called Child Series A. The second child is called Child Series B. Each child acts just like an individual LLC for liability purposes. It can have its its own operating agreement, its own EIN numbers, its, its own completely different members if you want to. But for most real estate investors, what it allows you to accomplish is an infinitely scalable company that allows you to have the maximum protections under the law without costing you anything as you grow and without complicating your operations. So it's really the ideal solution for people that are owning multiple assets. And there is a lot of what I would almost call it misinformation, right? It's really wrong legal reasoning from a term that have said, well, we don't really know for sure how, how things will play out. It's really because they don't understand how litigation really works and how the law is actually made to be able to know what is strong and what is weak. And I do because I was a litigator for two years. All I did was sue major insurance companies that denied claims for people that were owed to them and getting that money back from people. And when I left that, I worked exclusively with real estate investors over the last four plus years just on asset protection, knowing how the litigation game is played and knowing exactly how these things really play out in the court system to be able to come up with the strategies I use today. You know, Scott, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, I sued an insurance company once. I probably should have sued a few of them, but <laughs> I don't have the time. <laughs> Interestingly, asset protection, what I have found over the years, I mean, I'm approaching nearly 10,000 real estate transactions. I I'm going to say I may well be the most experienced person in my niche over over three decades of doing this and my different companies, close to 10,000 deals. And, you know, during that time, I've never been sued by a tenant. I've never been sued by a client. OK, and the liability doesn't come from where you think it comes and that's what's interesting. Like, I thought, oh, well, a customer could sue me. A tenant could sue me. They all slip and fall on a banana peel in my one of my houses. Never happened, okay? Never happened. But one time, I had some liability created when I actually sued an insurance company for bad faith. And my lawyer just disappeared. Now, I filed a bar complaint against the attorney for disappearing, but he didn't respond to the discovery, what's called discovery in the case. And the judge sanctioned me because my lawyer disappeared. It's shocking how important your lawyer can be. Your lawyer can really get you into trouble if they don't do their job right. And so, yeah, I had to pay thousands of dollars because my lawyer basically disappeared. So liability comes from, you can be the plaintiff and create liability for yourself, not the defendant. You know, asset protection can help in things like that, right? 
100%. Really, the best asset protection that you can get actually defeats lawsuits before they even start, right? And it really goes down to saying, like, you know, what do people actually think liability where it comes from, right? The number one people think that think they're okay is because, hey, I have insurance and that's enough. I'm totally protected, which insurance is extremely important. I have great insurance in all my properties. I'm personally invested in over 10 different states at any given time and just about every single asset class. I'm very well insured. But one thing I've known time and time again from my litigation experience is, and if you even ask your friends that have been involved in lawsuits, that the truth doesn't matter at all. Right? No, the, like the lawsuits truth, are not about the oh, truth. Not even close. It's like they used to say about Elvis Presley, the truth has left the building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. You know, Going to it, court like has a, nothing to do with the truth. It's a, it's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's just not about the truth. It's not even what some people think is like, oh, it's actually about like the law and how you can twist the facts to right. be what it is. Yeah. And I say, right. okay, well, that's getting, that's approaching what things yeah. are really happening. Right. But the reality of the situation and what happens with lawsuits, it's about information and leverage. And that's is why anonymity and, and hiding what you own and hiding that you even have companies to make it look like you don't own anything becomes so important. Because if it looks like you don't own anything, the information they get is that you're not a good target. There's nothing for them to say, okay, well, this is somebody I want to come after. So it really comes down to the information that they can grab about you and what is the leverage they can exert on you to make you pay. And that's really what asset protection is doing is, is giving you a strong defense on the front end of it, limiting the amount of information. So they think you're not a good target. And if they do try to pursue you, it's incredibly expensive and very difficult. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one thing that people really just don't realize, and it took me a long time to get this in the world of asset planning, is the difference between the internal threat and the external threat. So in Hawaii, you're going to talk about that and you're going to talk more about the series LLC. But let me just ask you, you know, why do some lawyers say they don't like the series LLC? I sort of wonder if they're being really genuine about that or they just don't know how it works or they think it's more work. I, I really don't know. I, I, I mean, you know, they just tell me sometimes they don't like it. I think you're you're right, Jason. I do hear a lot of attorneys say that. I think there's a good amount of attorneys that are just making money, and so they don't want to have to learn what's new, right? Like that's probably true at every single industry that's ever existed. That people are entrenched with one way of doing things, don't want to change to a new way. Mm -hmm. And a series LLC isn't new. It's been around for over 20 years. It's been involved in thousands of lawsuits. Nobody has actually challenged it during that time of the actual structure itself. And in those are the people that would be most incentivized to, because if they could challenge it, they could get a big payday. And it's like, okay, why is nobody challenging it? It must be that it's very strong. I um, mean, other attorneys just don't get that, right? They don't understand that when there's a clear law, like there is for series LLC, there's nothing to interpret. So there's nothing to create a court case around to, to create the case law that they're saying that they want. So they really just don't understand the way the law really works. And I can explain a lot more about that and the nitty gritty of what lies behind all of this. You know, when we're there in Hawaii, I'm really looking forward to sharing, you know, to really going in depth with everybody. And I'm going to be there for the full time. So it's not even just the time I'm going to be speaking. I'm going to be uh, there and available to really get into a number of issues with people, you know, no matter what they're doing. Um, mm -hmm. And I can't wait to, to share that with everybody. Good stuff. And I believe you're even joining us for our Venture Alliance Mastermind event uh, in Kauai after the conference, right? You are not going to get me out of Hawaii. <laughs> I'm going to be there. I'm going I'm to be throwing up a tent. Yeah. on the beach. Now, I'll probably end up doing the hotel, you know, this time. But but uh, I actually hiked the Nepali Trail when I was out in Kauai, Hawaii a couple of years ago and actually was out on, on the beaches over there. I love that place. And cool. I can't wait to go back. And it'll be my first time going back and, and having uh, a chance to, to just really hang out and, and enjoy, you know, just it's just a 
beautiful place and yeah, what an amazing yeah. place. I think Stunning. you told me earlier that's the happiest state in the country yeah. right now. Yeah, right? yeah, it just got voted the happiest state in the union is Hawaii. So, you know, these are <laughs> this is the thing, folks. I always talk about, you know, live in a place with a, a low tax burden or ideally no tax burden for state income tax and vacation in places like Hawaii. Now, this is, you know, many of the people coming are bringing their families and making a whole vacation out of it. But certainly it's going to be pretty great to uh, have two days of learning at our Profits in Paradise conference in Hawaii. And then uh, if you're joining us for the Venture Alliance Mastermind Retreat in Kauai afterwards, you know, you got four full days of masterminding with real estate investors and networking and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be great. So it's, it's going to be good to have you there. I'm looking forward to a fresh perspective. We've had some other great asset planning and asset protection and estate planning people speak at our events over the years. Garrett Sutton, uh, one of the Rich Dad Advisors, and uh, and many others. Give us a, a little hint about anything more you want to talk about or, or you know things that people will learn, actionable stuff at the conference in Hawaii. What we're going to be talking about is a couple of key concepts. The first thing we're going to talk about is where does your liability come from as a real estate investor and in business? That's number one thing you have to understand because with liability is what just triggers the lawsuits. The second thing we're going to talk about is how do you hide all of your assets domestically? How do you do that efficiently? both in terms of like your operational time that you have to spend doing it, as well as the number of companies you need. The Series LLC is going to do that for you in combination with what we use to accomplish anonymity, which is trust. Some people use Wyoming LLCs. I totally respect that. I just choose not to pay to do something that I can do for free with using a trust. The third thing we're going to be learning about is saying, how do we separate all of our assets, which is where we want to have in a vault where nobody can go to it and touch it, from all of the operations of our company to have all the liability compartmentalized through that. And the fourth thing that we're going to be talking about is how do we incorporate our estate plan with all of this and the tax saving strategies we can be using with solo 401ks and self-directed IRAs and the other pieces that really take us to the next level as real estate investors while accomplishing what's really most important for us at the end of the day is not complicating our lives because most of us are what we're trying to achieve <laughs> oh. is fine. Right. Because I think at the end of the day, isn't what we want as a real estate investor is saying, I'm doing this so that way I can leave my job or I can retire or I can have the financial and time freedom to do what I want. It doesn't make sense to create a system that makes you have another job called managing your real estate oh, business. Let me, let me just speak to that for a moment, okay? So what happens with a lot of these uh, attorneys and promoters of these various asset protection vehicles? And this is, listen, learn from my mistakes, folks, okay? Learn from my mistakes. As my life has become complicated, you know, it, it feels like I spent the first half of my adult life, my or my career so far, okay, creating wealth. And I created a lot of wealth and then became a target for people, right? That, you know, were like competitors and just sleazy people out there. And now it's like I'm spending the second half of the career protecting my wealth and managing it. And all of these entities require attention. You know, this stuff gets pretty complicated pretty quickly. And one of the things I like about your strategy is that you have people set up their entities in states that don't require annual filing fees. There's no cost to maintain the entity unless it gets huge. If it gets really big, you got to pay something. You know, every government's going to have their hand out if, if you've got something big going on. But that's it's good that you're mindful of that strategy because 
managing all these entities can get really complicated. And it seems from your approach and what we've talked about over the last several days is that you've really simplified and streamlined this process. So I like that. I think I have. I think what we really accomplished here is, is because I've been an investor for so long. I mean, over eight years, I bought my first property as a commercial property while I was in law school uh, and ran a, a transmission auto repair company that was inside of the building while I was going to law school full time and working for the DA. And then I've been a real estate investor since then. I've been working with so many real estate investors across the country, over 1,500 um, clients now with that. What that's given me is a unique perspective to be able to say, what are the greatest efficiencies we can build in, both in terms of cost, annual maintenance, upfront costs, and operational expenses? Like, what is it actually time cost does it take to manage these things? Mm-hmm. To really come up with something that I don't think is just an edge a little bit better than what everybody else is doing right now, I think it's five to 10 times better mm-hmm. from what it really accomplishes. Because it's I've looked at every angle of this to be able to say, how can we maximize all of the benefits in every single category. And that's what I'm going to be talking about in the event is really opening up the kimono, so to speak, and showing everybody how it works, just like I do actually every day with attorneys and CPAs throughout the country. I mean, my the system that I, I use for all of my clients, I share openly with everybody, knowing that I'm happy if everybody wants to adopt it, to tell you the truth, because mm-hmm. it would actually be so beneficial for every real estate investor out there. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, hey, we'll look forward to seeing you in Hawaii, Scott. It's going to be a great time. Be sure everybody who hasn't registered yet, uh, we do have some space left still. We're almost two, a little less than two months away. Go to jasonhartman.com and uh, you can see Scott there. And you know, one of the great things about our live events is it's not just you giving the speech, the presentation from stage you know, with your visual aids and all that stuff. But it's the fact that people can sit down with you at lunch, at dinner, uh, at breakfast, and talk about their own personal situations. And hey, I'm I'm sure your hourly rate is pretty high, but here they kind of get it for free, don't they? <laughs> just, yeah, just through networking, actually, right? Actually, I'm at the level yeah. now, Jason, is I don't have an hourly rate anymore. Uh-huh. You usually can't buy my time. It's usually I have to decide that I want to spend it with you. Right. And, and that's what I'm looking forward to with the investors that you have there is to be able to say, hey, listen, guys, Here's an opportunity that I'm going to make myself open and available to answer um, all of your questions that you have there. And you can really get to know me and be able to get some knowledge that I try to distribute right now through podcasts and uh, through the website that we have. It's a great opportunity, I think, for everybody to really get some firsthand in-depth knowledge from an investor and an attorney. All right. Good stuff. Well, hey, we'll, we'll leave it there. I've got to get to the rest of the show. But hey, aloha. <laughs> we'll look forward to seeing you in Hawaii, Scott. And thanks for joining us for the intro portion today. Aloha, brother. Be good. Well, I hope you enjoyed that segment on asset protection. You know, that is a question we get all the time, all the time, asset protection. But let me tell you, here is a new asset protection strategy I have learned. Now, of course, you'll hear the official stuff at our event in Hawaii at Profits in Paradise when Scott talks about that. But guess what? I have a new strategy for you, and it's kind of funny. It'd be funny if it wasn't so sad. (laughs) Here's what you need to do. You need to expose bad people in business, people who are ripping investors off, and then you will gain an internet troll, and they will tell everybody you are broke. That is the ultimate asset protection, because if everybody thinks you're broke, 
nobody will bother to sue you. (laughs) So there you go. Yes, the first part, remember, really, that is a real lesson, by the way. The first part of asset protection is financial privacy, financial privacy. So uh, if people don't know what you have or where you have it, you know, maybe they know what you have, but they don't know where you have it or how you keep it. That is uh, part of the asset protection strategy for sure, for sure. So, hey, let's talk about a few things here, and I look forward to seeing you all in Hawaii. Uh, So first off, good news on the economy once more. Median household income rose almost 2% in 2017, but as always, it was unequally distributed. Now, got the Wall Street Journal here. This was a hot topic in the last presidential election, a very hot topic. Now, you heard me talk about how it rose almost 2%. This hasn't happened for years. I mean, Americans have not had a real dollar. Of course, they've had nominal dollar wage increases, but they have not had a real dollar wage increase in decades, decades. Many would argue since 1977. Where were you in 1977? Yes, during the Jimmy Carter era, some of you listening weren't even born yet. In fact, you weren't even an idea yet. (laughs) But many of us were around back in 1977. But okay, so this real dollar wage increase has happened. It is wonderful news. The economy is most certainly doing amazing things right now with uh, nearly full employment and actual real dollar wage increases. But guess what? Guess which particular demographic group, a hot topic demographic group in uh, the last presidential election, uh, which group do you think had a really big pay increase? (laughs) Hispanic households had income climb by 3.7% to $50,486 adjusted for inflation that easily outpaced the 1.8% increase for all households, according to census data. And here we were hearing about how Trump doesn't like Hispanics, right? And guess what? Hispanic households had a real dollar wage increase of well over double what every other household had. Now that is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Okay, so what about the areas where household income grew the most, right? Where did it grow the most and where did it grow the least? First, before I go into this, how meaningful is this anyway? Is it even meaningful what I'm about to say? Well, it depends. It depends. It depends. Why does it depend? Well, of course, because it relates to the cost of living in those areas and mostly the cost of housing because housing is the biggest component of living expense. By the way, if I haven't shared this idea before, I want to share an idea with you. I may have shared it, but at the risk of repeating myself, well, I don't know if I've shared this with you. Here it is. You ready for this? This is good. You're going to like this, landlords. The vast majority of you listening are real estate investors, landlords. I know there are some of you listening who want to get started, who haven't done it yet, and are waiting on the sidelines. Well, of course, you know, life is not a spectator sport. You got to jump in and learn by doing. That is certainly the most effective learning of all. But 
Here's the idea, and I think you'll like this idea. Remember, in the world of money, there are various ways we can make money. And two that are often talked about, one mostly is OPM. OPM, standing for other people's money. Other people's money is OPM. And then there's another one, OPE, other people's efforts, other people's efforts. Now, commonly, people think of these things in terms and scenarios, right? They think OPM is really good because if you can borrow money or raise money as equity in some venture, a real estate deal, a business, whatever, then you can use other people's money to make more money. Now, income property is certainly uh, very, very friendly to this concept because income property is the most debt-friendly asset class in America, okay? You can raise a lot of debt against income property, and it's a very good, low-cost debt. In fact, it's uh, definitely the most desirable debt out there if, if you are not part of the Federal Reserve banking system. Then you even get better debt. But barring that, and I have a feeling none of you are part of that system, <laughs> so the second best thing is real estate. Okay, so that's OPM, right? We all get the idea of leverage, and then, of course, those of you listening to my show get the more advanced idea that you didn't hear anywhere else. You only heard it from yours truly because yours truly actually has some original ideas, unlike the copycats out there, but hey. I was a copycat once, too, when I was just starting out, when I was in my early 20s. What did I know? You know, you have to copy someone. We all stand on somebody else's shoulders. I would just appreciate it once in a while if those who are standing on my shoulders would say, hey, thanks, and give me attribution. But instead, they just go out and steal my ideas. And that's annoying. Okay, enough of my griping and ranting at the risk of being on a tangent here. So OPM, we get it, right? Leverage, simple concept. Inflation-induced debt destruction, the more advanced concept that I've uh, shared with you many times. Now, what about OPE? OPE, right? Other people's efforts. Well, think about this. Since housing cost is the largest cost for the vast majority of people, uh, the largest percentage of their income goes to housing costs. Now, you know, you might argue that it's taxes, but again, that all depends on what your income is and your tax structure. So let's just talk about it on a non-tax perspective. We'll just talk about housing. You know, typically for renters, housing cost is 33 to 40% of their income. Might even be a little more. That could get a little dangerous if it's more than that. And that is the rent-to-income ratio, right? So if you think about it, your tenants... They work all month long, so say they work 30 days in a month. Well, think about this. If you owned a business and you employed them and you had to manage them and you could hire them for less income than they generate, hopefully that's the equation every business has to live by or it's going to fail pretty quickly, then that would be a pretty good deal. But you would have to manage them and pay a lot of attention to managing them and managing the business, which is very complex, obviously. Businesses have a lot of moving parts. That's why income property is so much simpler than having a business. You would get maybe double or triple what they cost, right? That's the typical thing. Or maybe you'd get more than that. I don't know. Depends on the business and how automated it is and so forth, right? But you have your tenants working up to maybe 13 or 14 days of every month, they're working for you. 
because they're paying you between 10 and maybe 14 days a month, right? They're paying you 33 to 40% or maybe even a little more of their income every month toward rent. They're working for you. O-P-E, other people's efforts. Other people's efforts, pretty phenomenal equation. And then combine the other multi-dimensional characteristics of income property along with that. And hey, you have a pretty awesome, awesome investment there, don't you? I know. And sometimes you get discouraged because you have problems. I know, we all have problems. But uh, the problems are a little easier to cope with when you have such a resilient investment. It's very resilient income property. Wonderful thing. Okay, so... Where did the incomes rise the most, and where did they rise the least? Well, the most was San Diego, 5.4%, Richmond, Virginia, 5.3%, San Jose, 4.6%, Denver, 4.4%, Nashville, 4.3%, Riverside, California, Inland Empire, 4.3%, Los Angeles, 4%, Sacramento, 3.8%, Phoenix, 3.7%, Columbus, Ohio, 3.6%. Does it matter? Well, maybe. Here's why. In all of those expensive, non-linear, cyclical markets that I mentioned, places like San Diego, Richmond, San Jose, Los Angeles, Sacramento, right? All those markets, those markets, it probably doesn't matter because the housing cost is so out of sync with the rent-to-income ratios. See, I'm not talking about rent-to-value ratios. I'm thinking from the tenant's perspective now, rent-to-income ratio, right? And then the other markets mentioned are hybrid markets, right? Denver, Nashville. Nashville could be considered a hybrid hybrid market. You know, these here I'm hearkening back to what I talk about all the time, the three types of markets, linear, cyclical, and hybrid. The only linear market on that list is Columbus, Ohio. So a 36 percent increase in income, in household income in a place like Columbus, Ohio, bodes pretty well. That's pretty good, okay? Where did they decline? Now, this is interesting. And remember, these are just broad statistics, so take them with a grain of salt like you always have to, right? But Raleigh, North Carolina actually had a slight decline of 0.8%. San Antonio, Texas, 0.9%, just a minor decline in income. Baltimore, Cleveland, Hartford. Hartford had the biggest decline, 3.6% decline. So that's, God, what's going on in Hartford? I don't know. Don't know much about Hartford, Connecticut, but there is an insurance company named after that place. Okay, so just wanted to share that with you as we wrap it up here today, because we already, you know, we're doing an upside down show today, right? We had the intro, then we had Jason Hartman as the guest. It's kind of odd that we do that. We've only done it a couple times before over the years. So a couple of things, you know, the trade tensions are going on. You hear about them in the media all the time. They always try to make them reflect negatively on uh, Trump. You know, maybe to some extent they're right. It's not completely false. Uh, I mean, it's complicated, right? It's complicated. They are keeping mortgage rates low, though, these trade tensions. Mortgage rates would be probably higher if it wasn't for the trade war going on. Younger Americans are waiting longer to get married, according to CNBC. However, marrying later means they could have more money for home buying and more money for home renting. Probably true. So we will see how that trend plays out. You know, think about it. We keep thinking of these millennials as young people. Do you know the oldest millennials are almost 40? Hey, 40 is still young. But 
you get the idea, right? These aren't kids anymore, folks, okay? They're definitely growing up, okay? They're approaching 40 years old. So we got to start talking about somebody else, and that's going to be Gen Z. Gen Z is the Generation Z is going to be the next cohort moving up that is going to have all kinds of influence. I mean, you know, the millennials are like moving right toward what Harry Dent, who's been on the show several times, says is the highest spending and earning points in the mid-40s, right? Where people spend the most and earn the most. That has a very significant impact on the economy, on housing decisions, on all sorts of things. But again, that's the traditional thing. We'll see if it holds to be true with the millennials when they reach that age, and then much later, Gen Z. Now, when Gen Z reaches that age, we'll probably be on episode 17,221. It'll be a while, but I'll be here, (laughs) and I hope you will be too. Okay, so uh, mortgage rates have moved up a bit. Purchase applications were actually up by 1% over the prior week. They were up 4% over last year. You can see how that theory that I've talked about is actually happening in practice. It's not a theory because I've witnessed it many times over my many decades in the business. When rates go up, it has the opposite effect of what most people think, at least initially, where it gets people to get off the fence and make decisions they otherwise wouldn't make. So that's definitely what we're seeing. Okay, home sales are not lingering on the market for long, or homes for sale, I should say, not lingering for long. Properties typically sold in 27 days, shorter than the 30-day median uh, number of days on market, or DOM, days on market, from a year ago. So it's actually uh, the statistical number is that homes are selling now three days fast faster than they did a year ago. Again, that's a broad swath, all prices, all markets, but it it does give you an indicator of what's going on. So inventory is still in very low supply. By the way, if you're listening and you have inventory of uh, investment properties for us and you would like to sell them through our network, reach out to us at jasonhartman.com and let us know. A few of you did already. So uh, we'd love to hear from you and talk to you about uh, doing some business together. Okay, the Fed meets next week for their FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee meeting, and they're expected to raise rates again, but they don't think that this will affect mortgage rates. Remember, the Fed does not directly influence mortgage rates. It's only an indirect influence, but still obviously an influence. Central banks overseas kept rates unchanged since many investors by U.S. Treasuries and bonds. Uh, This helps keep rates low. So again, another sign that rates are artificially a little lower than they might otherwise be because of what's going on with tariffs and trade wars and all that kind of stuff, okay? I think that's all I really have to say on kind of some general just quick economic sound bites there. Join us in Hawaii. We're looking forward to seeing you there. It's going to be an awesome, awesome trip. Again, we've got our two-day Profits in Paradise conference. And by the way, we've been updating the website on that. So if you want to see that, go to jasonartman.com. We've got a really slick new video, uh, which is neat. We will look forward to seeing you at that and or the Venture Alliance event in Kauai immediately following that two-day conference. jasonhartman.com there. And then if you have any questions or comments for me about the show, please go to jasonhartman.com slash ask and I will be glad to address those. Thanks for listening, and happy investing. We'll talk to you in a couple of days. 
Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, HartmanMedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own, and if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you.